0: This is an ode to the glass noodle. You may be glass only in name, but our love for you is crystal clear in every Bibigo Korean dumpling. Your tantalizing texture tickles the taste buds, and while you are see-through, the world can't help but see you. The glass noodle, one of many obsessively crafted ingredients in every plump and juicy Korean dumpling from Bibigo. Go handcrafted. Go Bibigo. Authentic Korean dumplings now in the freezer aisle. This is Podco Media Networks.
1: Hey everybody, I'm joined again today by Julie Zadow, CMO and residence at Demand Spring. This is part two of our conversation about sort of the psychology of marketing leadership and what makes somebody potentially a great marketing leader. So this is a really fun discussion. Hope you'll stick around. So I currently work for Brian Cardin, who's technically the CMO at Envision. And shortly after I joined, he was also given the sales organization and the CX organization. And He wasn't given those groups because he's a great marketer. He was given those groups because he's a great business strategist. And I do think that is what the job is. I mean, ultimately, you know, it's interesting when you're at an early stage company like Pathfactory, where I had a front row seat to everything that was going on, reporting to a CEO. Now, because we're a small team, I'm doing marketing, right? And the job is marketing. But because I'm part of this very small leadership team, I'm helping to steer the company. And so it was such an invaluable bit of experience for me to get that. So can that be taught? Or like, is that an osmosis thing? I mean, I feel like I absorbed a lot. I witnessed a lot of great leadership. I've gotten to be close to business strategy and therefore absorbed a lot of it. But do you think these are like that kind of key
0: quintessential marketing leader stuff? Like, can you teach that to somebody? Well, you know, I would say that the thing that I don't know can be taught and I think has to be one of the core pillars that directs and motivates a marketing leader is curiosity. Like yeah. if you are not a vibrantly curious human. I don't know how you succeed in this role. I don't know how you actually diagnose what's going on inside your organization that might be creating a situation where your organization can't get out of its own way to show your audience how great your product or service actually is. You know, if you're not like deeply curious about your buyer persona. You know, I think buyer personas have actually. Inadvertently and unjustifiably becoming a little bit passe. They were sort of one of the hot things for marketers a couple of years ago. But I want to find a CMO who gets the fact that if you are not quarter over quarter deeply curious about what's changing inside the attitudes and behaviors and beliefs of your buyer persona, if you're not recognizing that that is your holy grail for setting your North Star for your campaign management strategy you're not going to reinvent the brand. You're not going to reinvent your story. You're, you're not going to do all those things that you, know, you promised in your sales and marketing kickoff presentation at the beginning of the year. And on some level, that is the piece that I believe you can't teach, is you can't teach someone to be curious. That being said, I do think there are a lot of things that more vibrant, experimental, agile organizations can teach younger marketers that can become the tools where you learn how to walk in, ask really intelligent discovery questions of your own organization, figure out how to successfully audit processes, strip away stuff that doesn't need to be there. You know what I mean? Like, you know, go through the hard work of prioritization because there are actually only 24 hours in a day and no one has figured out how to change that. So you don't know how to prioritize your organization's to-do plate. You're just going to be Committing random acts of marketing at scale again and again and again and again, and that's not a recipe for leadership success or employee engagement on any level.
1: It's funny. This has been very accidentally like psychoanalytical for me. I'm like, oh, <laughs> good thing about myself. You know, one so thing. I'm with, executive
0: coach, so I've probably backed us into this. So yeah,
1: yeah, you probably have. Well, it's it's funny because I mean, I think I'm somewhat of a naturally curious person anyway, but I do actually think that working in demand gen and marketing ops. I used to joke about it all the time. It's like CSI work. Like there's all this forensics. You have to be like, why didn't that work? Why didn't that thing do the thing we thought it was going to do? How are we going to actually get this to go over here and trigger this thing to happen? And it is so detailed, like constantly interrogating and investigating. And, like, and I always loved that. I loved that part of it. And I actually find... That my job as a marketing leader today, it's different. It's less like technical forensics, but it is similar. And that I'm constantly trying to figure out what is causing this to not work, what is causing this slowdown here. Why do we have this process that doesn't allow? Like, why are these people's goals not reflective of a business strategy? Those kinds of things. It's like the same type of skill set and desire to diagnose a problem and then find a way to fix it. I guess that's where maybe I I learned some of that stuff and I hadn't even realized
0: it. Yeah, you know, I think that's all about embracing kind of fail-fast forensics. You know, They talk about how important the whole fail-fast leadership culture is to actually create agile organizations that can find their paths to success. I think we still have a little more work to do as leaders, actually embracing what it means to allow individuals and teams and projects to fail. Because to some degree, yes, it is about extracting learnings quickly and Reiterating the goal and then reshaping the strategy to get there in a more effective way. But you still need to create that culture of curiosity alongside a culture that can recognize and discuss and bring out into the light what failure actually means so that you can learn from it. You know, yeah. one of my favorite moments with a client who I was helping with a presentation that she was giving to their board of directors was a very brave slide that she decided to put in which basically, you know, kind of midway through the deck said, and here's what we failed at, and literally put up the things in front of the board of directors that indicated what they had failed at in terms of campaigns, launches in the course of the year. And one of their lead investors in the back of the room started applauding and basically just said, look, you know, if you want to claim you're building, you know, kind of a fail fast culture, if you can't put your money where your mouth is and making everybody feel like they need to do something that no one will take accountability for having done. But then she was able to basically show the ways in which they had repackaged what they had learned from their quote failures and created new paths to success that they could show the metrics for. So...
1: Yeah, failure is 100% part of the job. And my mantra always, and it's interesting, <laughs> it's been interesting to try to push this agenda at my current organization, but it's always been done as better than perfect. You know, I just have always kind of come up in these organizations where it's like, time is your enemy. We have to get things done quickly. I would rather we get it done and iterate and make it better than try to do the most perfect thing ever and have it slow us down. And so, yes,
0: you fail fast. Yeah, so true. And actually, you just reminded me before... I named my consulting firm Pinch Hit CMO. There was a runner-up, and it was blackjackmarketing.com. And yes, I own that domain too, in case I ever change my mind and go back in that direction. But it was basically built off of that same theory. As, as a marketing leader, if you don't teach your team that 21 out of 21 in a game of blackjack is not the thing that beats the dealer. It's basically knowing when you're close enough to win and taking that moment and running with it and being able to do that at scale. So the concept of Julie Zadow's blackjack theory of marketing management sort of became a mantra for me in my career that I used as a way to sort of move teams forward. And I still believe in it. If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit vitalent.org today.
1: I mean, I definitely think this is a top-down thing. There has to be an appetite for that type of marketing. But I mean, at Path Factory, we were prolific in terms of the amount of campaigns and programs and things that we got out the door. I mean, we rebranded that whole company on a timeframe of about four months that everybody was like, that's impossible. You can't do that. And I'm like, I think we can. Now, what that means is that, yeah, there's probably some shortcuts we have to take and some steps we have to skip. Will it still be very, very good work? It'll be very, very good work but it'll be finished work. And that's the, because you win no points for not finishing. And that's like to watch progress, you know, be halted because you're obsessing over how, but we can't measure this part of it. It's like, what were you going to do with that data anyway? Like, again, people get so wrapped around the axle on things that I think are materially unimportant when really what counts is actually getting it done. And I think it's possible to get stuff done and be agile and and fail fast and
0: still have stuff be pretty damn good. You say that because it's one of the reasons that one of my favorite types of people to hire when I was running teams was anybody who had spent time in event marketing. And as, as you know, I had spent a fair number of years in event marketing. And what I basically realized was that event marketers were people who basically created campaigns with an absolute... Campaign deadline that you could not mess with because basically a live event is just a large marketing campaign that has a hard and fast deadline. That's all it is. So, event marketers, by definition, are trying to create a story, lure in an audience, create a customer experience that's actually three dimensional, figure out a post experience engagement plan that reminds people about what they experience. But nonetheless, it has to get done because that event is happening on the day that it is scheduled for. And you can't get around it. There's no pushing off the launch date by a week. So event marketers, I think, are some of the people in the universe that literally have that perfect is the enemy of done, but still understand the importance of selling and telling a story that carries through a customer experience even after the experience ends. Yeah.
1: yeah. Nope, totally. I mean, you're right. That's like one of those roles that... And I've managed events as part of a demand gen strategy for a long time. And it's so many moving parts and so many things, but ultimately very deadline driven. So I have two questions as we wrap up. The first is in, you know, you're doing these talent assessments, working with CMOs, anything you're seeing in terms of trends that like, whether talent trends or critical skills that a lot of people are struggling with or missing, any interesting stuff there?
0: Yeah, you know, I think there's a lot going on there. And I find that it's different depending on whether we're talking about marketing leaders for large organizations or marketing leaders for smaller organizations. Amen, I can attest to that now. (laughs) But I find that we're still in the umbrella of connecting marketing plans to business goals. And it's no longer just a skill that only the marketing leader needs to have. It's sort of a diagnostic approach that needs to be embedded across the entire marketing organization. And we need to almost be iterating on job descriptions to create APIs around it. And I'm seeing a lot of the marketing leaders that I coach sort of grapple with that and trying to figure out what that means inside their organization. So to me, it's sort of that iterative twist on almost all roles inside the marketing organization where you figure out what the business strategist component of that job is meant to be relative to the KPIs of the entire organization.
1: Right. And it's exactly what you said before. I mean, that is where being a conductor is like fitting all those pieces together and like, oh, no, this needs to be in this tone and this one over here. And it really is. It's funny. you know. Marketing leadership is one of those crazy jobs where I think like, again, so much of it is strategy and sort of this overarching thing. But the devil is also in the details. Mm -hmm. I mean, you really have to be able to kind of like get in there. Okay, so my last question for you in closing, you give advice to lots of marketing leaders out there. In particular, like if you were talking to a new marketing leader, somebody who is potentially going to lead marketing for this time, like what would your biggest piece of advice be for that person?
0: So I think if I was talking to someone who was still building their career, at this point, I really do think I would encourage people Honestly, to get experience at smaller companies first where, you know, rolling up your sleeves and having things get messy and solving for things happens at a much faster cadence than it does in larger organizations. And that is actually advice I find myself giving to people that come to me when they're at a crossroads in their career and they have a giant enterprise opportunity versus a scrappier startup opportunity. And when I say startup, I mean, you know, companies up to fifty million. Like I'm not talking about just the five million dollar, you know, funded oh, yeah. company. But To some degree, one of the things I've noticed is that the best marketers I know are people who at that really hyper learning phase of their career had the opportunity to do a lot of different types of marketing in a very compressed period of time. It probably makes for a very stressful career existence for a period of time, but the learnings that people extract from that are so powerful. So that would be my advice to sort of emerging marketing leaders who are maybe what I like to call CMO next. You know, people that are trying to plot their course there. You know, my advice for newly minted CMOs or CMOs who have just made a switch really comes down to doing the hard work, not just with the CEO, who is likely their boss, but with the entire C suite to find what it means for marketing to own strategy in a way that it never has before. This gets yep. back to our point around marketing leaders need to be business strategists first to succeed. But for a lot of CMOs who are coming in to replace someone who just left, it is an opportunity to reset C-suite expectations with what's possible in that role and on what timeframe. And if you don't lead with being a business strategist first, you won't be able to get the buy-in for what's possible and you won't be able to carve out the ability to create a new path to success for yourself or for the company that you've just walked into a remarket.
1: Yeah, I mean it's great advice. It's the internal marketing to reset the vision. It's funny, I'm going through this now. I think what marketing has been within the organization that I join is we're trying to transform it into something else. And I found myself doing like roadshows to kind of say, like, this is what marketing needs to be. And let me tell you what I think success looks like and how the team should work and how we're here to service you on the sales team and all those things. And if you don't do that work, it's sort of business as usual, and everyone just assumes like, oh, new guard picking up the thing, and you know, it's like, but you
0: have that opportunity to really sort of shift perception and expectations, and 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 I do think the way that taps into a real genuine respect for what has come before you, because let's face it, most places I've worked have people that have worked really hard to get a company to where it is today, but a lot of times a new marketing leader comes in and they're expected to reinvent. So my favorite phrase that I often. Advise marketing leaders to lead with in a new role is to remind people that most likely what got them here won't get them there. So, this new marketing leader, this new person that I would be advising, I would say to them, you know, that's how you pay respect for how this company grew to the size that it is. But the reason that they've brought you in is that the expiration date on the way things have been done has probably come due. And basically, you're there to figure out what it means to address the fact that what got you here got you here but it won't get you there. And you've been hired to get them there. And what does that look like? And that's where probably one of the biggest first 90-day jobs of any new CMO is figuring out what it means, to your point, to market marketing to the rest of the
1: organization. That's great advice. Well, Julie, it has been so fun to chat with you today. I can't thank you enough for doing this. I really appreciate it. I am so happy to have you back in my life because I didn't talk to you for a very long
0: time and now I talk to you all the time, which has been wonderful. I agree. It's been wonderful. And this has been really fun. Thanks for inviting me on the podcast, Elle.
1: Thanks for joining me today. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation and I hope you will join me next time when I have Tom Wentworth on the show. Tom is currently the Chief Marketing Officer at Recorded Future. He has been at a bunch of companies that you will recognize when we talk to him and he's got a really interesting perspective having started his career as a solutions engineer working on the sales side of the house. So we're going to talk a lot about why that is an incredible training ground particularly for product marketers. So it's a really fun discussion. Tom is a big marketing nerd as am I. So So I hope you'll join me next time.